Welcome to Let's Break Good, the podcast where good is just not good enough. I'm your host, Joe Agoda, and you're about to enjoy the second episode of our third season, which focuses in on NFTs and philanthropy. In this episode, we get to know an NFT artist who goes by the name Pretty Blocks. In the week before our interview, Pretty Blocks helped raise over $250,000 for charity through the auction of an NFT series he created called Liquid Ruminations. The sale was completed and money raised in under two hours. How did Pretty Blocks end up working with a major brand and an NFT influencer to create the series? What were the factors that made it all come together naturally? We'll explore what makes for a successful collaboration between NFT artists and charities. What are the key factors that result in big dollars raised? Plus, open mic at the end where we hear about the challenges and triumphs from upstart NFT projects trying to make real-world social impact. So let's dig into it. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. All right, let's let's get started. This is Let's Break Good, where we believe good is just not good enough. I'm Joe Agoda, one of your hosts for this discussion in our season three series on NFTs and philanthropy. Uh, this will be a recording that will be put into a podcast listened by a bunch of nonprofits that are looking uh, to do good uh, and do well with it. Uh, my co-host today is Tandy, aka Top Shot Tandy. He hosts a weekly NFT show called Tandy Time. Uh, he's also my colleague here at Sustento. He's our lead uh, marketing officer. So Tandy and I uh, both work at Sustento, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, so we have our colleague Sarah from Sustento, who's the moderating account for Let's Break Good. Shout out, Sarah. Thank you for moderating the discussion today. Um, and our feature discussion today is a story fresh off the presses. Uh, it just went down earlier this month, $250,000 raised for charity via an NFT charity auction. Uh, we have the artist Pretty Blocks here who created the series that sold out in less than two hours. So we're going to learn how it all came together. Why was it so successful? What can we learn about charities and NFT projects working together? And at the end, we'll have an open mic and a Q&A and alpha share uh, with uh, some of the NFT philanthropy projects that I know are here. So we're going to get going in our interview in just a moment, but let's start by playing our theme song. So Sarah, will you get that theme song going for us? Not sure I hear it yet. Tandy, can you hear the music? I cannot hear the music. (laughs) 
But if 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 need be, I can yeah. Why don't you, uh, you want finagle it on my yeah? Why don't you put it on for us, Dandy? Why don't you finagle it so we can? <laughs> All right, just give me a second here. Uh, it's live production. Live production, everybody. All right, here we go. Let me get this going over here. Thanks, Tandy. So without further ado, let's get started with our interview with Pretty Blocks, who is the NFT artist who just last week sold out a collection called Liquid Ruminations that raised $250,000 in less than two hours for the charity water.org. So we're going to get all into how it happened in the background about Pretty Blocks, but we're going to start with a very important question for you, Pretty Blocks. What is your favorite drink? Um. You know, I I think that depends on the context, but lately it's been a lot of tea. But if we're talking alcohol, I'm a big fan of uh, a Japanese scotch called Yamazaki. And uh, what about the tea? If you're during the day, so we got your nighttime drink, what kind of tea puts you in the meditative mood for your for your NFT and artistic work? Well, you know, I um, I gave up caffeinated coffee a few years ago, so usually I'll have uh, one black tea during the day, and if I want something in the evening, I go with mint. Excellent. All right. On my side, my favorite drink, I think, is a Thai. I enjoy an iced tea lemonade, uh, sometimes called Honor Palmer. That is amazing. The other one would be the Chacarado, which is an Italian espresso drink where they put the espresso over ice into like a kind of a martini shaker they shake it up and they even pour it in a martini glass for you it's non-alcoholic but it is that good and what about you tandy let's round it out what is your your favorite drink well those two drinks you just described sound excellent uh i like the arnold palmer, arnold palmer myself I, I think my answer is kind of boring and like a, a nice sparkling water honestly is probably my go-to drink if it's alcohol i like uh i like a dry red wine or a sour beer personally all right. Excellent. Well, now that we've got our, our drinks out of the way, um, Pretty Blocks, I want to come back over to you now. Tell me this the high-level movie trailer version of the recent NFT fundraiser you were just a part of. Yeah, sure. Um, so it, it started um, at the very tail end of uh, 2021. I think it was December. And uh, Vayner Media had reached out to me um, and uh, so someone from Vayner sent me a message in my uh, Twitter inbox and just saying that they're looking to connect with generative artists because, um, you know, as as they work with more and more brands that try to enter the NFT space, uh, they 
understand that, you know, generative art is becoming more and more relevant. So they were trying to build a network. And from there, this conversation just organically progressed to this project that they were working on with um, Stella Artois, who has a very long-standing collaborate, like collaboration with Water.org, uh, for for a bunch of years now, where they do an annual fundraiser, and this year they were wanting to do something similar, but in the form of an NFT collection, and it it really materialized from from just this very casual networking message that I got from Vayner NFT. And so Vayner NFT, I believe, is linked to Gary V. And for those who don't know in the nonprofit world, Gary V is like known as one of the NFT marketing gurus. And anything that Gary V touches kind of turns to gold. Right, Tandy? Is that how you would describe Gary V in the space? Yeah, Gary V is someone who's been in the space for a long time for um, entrepreneurs, but he he very much engaged with this NFT idea. He's very he had his own NFT collection, and he was a strong proponent of some of the earlier NFT projects. and He's done incredibly well. So he he is like a a mind that a lot of people turn to um, when it comes to what to invest in or what to look at. And, and then, so for you, Pretty Blocks, when Vayner Media slides up into your DMs, how does that feel like? what did you know did you feel like it was a huge opportunity or did it feel more informal like what was that development like with a kind of a powerhouse in the nft space uh well to be honest it was pretty informal at first um i think that some there are these waves of nfts getting um bursts of attention and Sometimes that means people send you random messages. You don't know what they are and what they mean, but I kind of took it to be um, just a networking opportunity. And it wasn't really until the conversation progressed and that I learned that the project that they were working on was um, a collaboration with this major global brand and that it was actually for a meaningful cause it wasn't so it wasn't you know a brand trying to do a marketing play or or a cash grab by releasing an nft collection and that's when i started to get really excited yeah that what i kind of find interesting is that how informal it the conversations did start because i think was one thing nonprofits want to know about is how can we approach an artist, how can we start engaging with crypto holders or NFT artists or NFT influencers and collectors? But it sounded like your first entree here was with, in this charitable project, was with um, VaynerMedia, who's kind of arranging this sale and charitable event, and the charity came in later. Did you ever get to engage with the charity? And, um, you know, what was their kind of part? Do you know at, at all about their part in the formation of, of the NFT series? So the the... NFT series itself was, you know, the, the creative aspect of it was, I would say, 99% me. Um, but I, like, of course, Stella Artois and Water.org have this longstanding relationship. I think that typically what they do is 
they release um, uh, a special edition chalice every year where proceeds from the sale of that chalice go to water.org. So um, I, a, a lot of the conversation of the mechanics of how, um, you know, how, how this would be coordinated was really collaborative. Uh, the giving block was heavily involved in uh, facilitating like an actual payment address for water.org and, and things like that. And the project is an art blocks project. So um, the folks at art blocks were uh, heavily involved in um, helping to coordinate the whole thing, making sure everyone was on the same page and that the project that we were working on was uh, aligned from, from everyone's perspective. And I think um, there, it, there would have been maybe a few more hurdles if I were a brand new artist to Art Blocks. I've released a, a few collections on Art Blocks before, and I think that helped to navigate the whole thing because when, uh, when you have this kind of partnership going, uh, there's, there was a deadline. And the deadline was to have this release for World Water Day, which was March 22nd. And it's it's very different than just um, an, me as an artist doing a creative project, you know, speculatively that I might or might not choose to release at some point. Well, there, there's a, a few kind of key points that I would think that nonprofits that want to work with NFT artists and groups should pay attention to that you mentioned there, why this was successful. Number one, it built on a longstanding relationship. So you're talking about how water.org and Stella, which is part of Anheuser-Busch, had a longstanding kind of charitable relationship. And I think building on existing kind of partnership is a great way to get going with NFT work, because I think one of the pitfalls is to make it something standalone, something siloed from the nonprofit and say, oh, this should be something different and totally, you know, out there. But I do believe there's like fundamentals from, you know, fundraising and partnership that you can build on and then bring in NFTs as a new kind of innovative aspect of it, but not to see it as something standalone. Um, you also kind of mentioned that you were 99 kind of percent of the artistic and uh, drive behind the collection. And I think that, um, another thing that I see sometimes charities do is that, you know, the ones that I've actually seen be less successful is they say, oh, I'm going to have, um, you know, if I'm going to try to do, let's say we're at Sustento or a nonprofit that serves frontline health workers, oh, we'll have a few frontline health workers draw some images and we'll go and market it and it will be successful. And I've seen a number of projects kind of try to pursue that. And I don't think that works very well. So I think letting the NFT folks lead on the art side um, and working with the established Artists with a forced deadline are all really good tips for anyone out there who's trying to maybe pursue this. Um, Tandy, before we go maybe more into Pretty Box and background as an artist, do you have any questions? Um, well, I'm, I'm curious about about your uh, experience on Art Blocks before you entered into this project. Had you already released projects on Art Blocks to success? Had they had they been selling out? Um, I'm curious, like where you. What was your origin on art blocks to to this to the point where you entered with um, in, entered this project? Um, yeah, so I've 
I've actually, I've done multiple projects on art blocks. Um, so this project, Liquid Ruminations, is my fifth one. Um, my other four projects, which are all on Artblocks Factory, so they're not they're not curated. Um, I just happened to get lucky in that um, I got onboarded onto the Artblocks platform relatively early, and my projects, in my opinion, have had mixed success on on Artblocks. Um, they're a couple of my projects, um, I wanted to have uh, larger editions, but as we all know, you know the NFT market kind of goes in in these massive waves, and so there are a few projects that I had to reduce, uh, you know, the the project size, the number of mints that were available in order to close them early. Um, ironically, later on, that made some of them more valuable in the eyes of collectors, but that became later. And then there was um, one project that I did called uh, Laborometry. It's very kind of uh, a geometric. Um, it was during like the peak nft mania of last summer and i i think i launched it um, maybe end of august or early september if if memory serves correctly and it sold out within something like 20 minutes but i think that back at that particular moment people were buying buying the hype as much as they were buying the art so uh, to answer your question i would say that um, I did have experience with art blocks, and that made me more comfortable working on the platform. But I think what I've learned is to not have um, any expectations when it goes into releasing a project. Yeah. So two kind of key points here that I would I would call out for some of the the charity folks that may not know as much about NFTs but maybe getting going with them is um, pretty much mentioned run size and run size means the series of the number of NFTs. Um, NFTs can be one of one, as in it's one you know piece that can be created and sold as like a kind of more traditional standalone art piece, or you can do a series. And series can can have run sizes um, from you know a few hundred. Uh, up to, I think, 10,000 I've seen. Um, and so when you're trying to figure out, um, you know, for your charity or for your nonprofit project, you really got to consider your audience and what a run size would be right for you. Because if you're maybe a larger nonprofit with a huge audience, you might want to do a low cost, high volume series. But if you maybe are a smaller nonprofit, I really believe you would want to look at a smaller run size with potentially a higher price point and try to really focus your marketing efforts. So that run size is really important. Um, and then you both are talking about art blocks. And so I kind of understand what art blocks is. I almost see it as like the gallery or the studio virtually, but maybe um, pretty box. You just explained for the, for those who might not know, when you mentioned that your art was put on art blocks. What what does that mean? What is art blocks exactly? Yeah, so um, art blocks is a platform for generative art NFTs, and they pioneered uh, a very specific format. So uh, generative art 
generally encompasses this uh, discipline of writing code in order to uh, generate a design uh, based on some amount of randomness. So when the, the visual image that you see is the output of uh, a piece of software that, that you as the artist wrote. And um, within the context of NFTs and, and blockchain, uh, Artblocks is a platform where artists can uh, create an algorithm that's going to generate a unique invocation when someone decides to mint that NFT. So it's pretty interesting because the act of someone actually purchasing the NFT creates it and it creates a unique uh, visual image or animation uh, based on the parameters that can only exist in that moment in time when, when that, when that purchase takes place. So it's, it's a very interesting uh, medium because it's, uh, it, it just combines some of these things like um, the algorithmic generative art, uh, some, something that happens in your web browser, blockchain and NFTs, and they all kind of uh, come together in this really unique and interactive way. Very interesting. And I continue to explore and learn about the technology. And that's something I also say to nonprofits and charities is before you start engaging, learn a little bit about the technology. I think uh, this generative is the advanced class. Um, there's some, you know, intro to blockchain and, and NFTs readings that you can do to get, get going with. But I think having an understanding and continue to learn about the technology um, is important. And I uh, kind of my mind is blown about the kind of almost like the donor in this case for the series was the one that actually generated the art um, in the moment that they created it, made it special and, you know, also put it on the blockchain, uh, which very, very interesting. And I want to get back to the liquid rumination series in a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about you as the artist, uh, because that's one of the things that we want to do um, as part of the series is for charities and nonprofits that are looking to engage um, you know, sometimes it's kind of like this mystery of like, well, who exactly am I engaging with? There's so much anonymity in this space. Who exactly am I working with when it's an NFT collector or an artist or a project? And so I thought we could do a little bit of just exploring you as the artist. And where I wanted to start was I was reading up and you described your art as a meditative escape from everyday stress. And I'd love for you to explain that because I think these days mental health is such a huge issue. Uh, it's a big issue that we work with here at Sustento uh, as part of our nonprofit. Uh, but tell me a little bit about what that means for you as art, creating art as a meditative escape. And um, maybe you can also apply a little bit of your perspective on mental health in the NFT space. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great topic to discuss. So um, I guess to shine some more light on me, um, I on Twitter, I, I go by pretty blocks, obviously, but um, I'm actually not anonymous in the space at all. Uh, my name is Elia Stein, and I have kind of... Uh, somewhat parallel careers you know on on the one hand this nft stuff is my uh creative uh 
outlet currently, but I also work in tech. And I think having this tech background kind of helped all this to culminate for me. But to answer your question, uh, before I was ever doing generative art, uh, I was making paintings uh, for many, many years, uh, just physical paintings on, on canvas. And I, I think I started doing that quite a while ago, maybe 15 or almost 20 years ago. And the, I, I never thought of myself as uh, an artist or a visually creative person. Um, it, it just so happened that uh, I was uh, like a, a freshman in college or something like that. And um, I was dating a painter and I used to watch her make these paintings. And I think one day I said, oh, I could never do that. And there was the question of like, well, have you tried? And I'm like, okay, like break me off some paint and some paintbrushes and, and a piece of canvas. And I found that for the half hour that I was doodling, I didn't really think about anything else. I was so tuned into, um, you know, playing with paint and that kind of stuck. It, it it's just for me it was a meditative thing that was similar to like i don't know maybe maybe if you go out running or, or riding a bike or or you do a yoga class you have this kind of disconnect from everything else that's what painting was for me so um that's why i stuck with it but after after doing it so much for so long you end up in a living space that has piles and piles of canvases, drawings, art supplies. It starts to get crazy and like, it's hard to sell physical paintings. You know, people need to discover them in order to see them and buy them. So you end up giving a lot of them away and some you can't give away. So you're just kind of trapped by this material stuff. And after that reached a breaking point, I, uh, I decided to explore digital artwork more. And the the first digital artwork that I did were kind of scans of my physical paintings that I would animate using software, um, different Photoshop type of software, different animation software. And I always had this um, technical background. I was always interested in uh, counterculture and uh, cryptocurrency as a part of that, of course. And um, I think that led me to discovering NFTs. And, um, you know, these days, my creative efforts really go towards digital art, mostly generative digital art that somehow ends up within, within the scope of NFTs, but not always. It's just my way of disconnecting, I guess. Yeah, and so that's a really interesting, you know, story of how you got into art and kind of it was just uh, almost out of necessity. A lot of innovation that we do in, in the nonprofit world is also out of necessity. And it sounds like you moved over to the digital side just because you didn't have uh, the physical space. Uh, but you started the discussion about how the art itself was a, a meditative escape that you could just, you know, kind of go into that zone. Um, and one thing with 
NFTs is I feel like they have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with mental health uh, because of how fast it can go really, really well or on a dime fall apart. Um, and, you know, from for me, the nonprofit CEO, I actually keep a pretty arm's length. I don't own any NFTs beyond a few of the NBA Top Shot NFTs. I've never really bought any of the, um, you know, PFPs or any of that. But yet, you know, last year we ran a series of NFT charity auctions and I could understand the burnout and the mental health aspect that can come into play with NFT art. So I'm wondering how's that experience like been for you as, you know, artwork really was this meditative experience for you. Has the NFT ups and downs kind of broached into that or, or, you know, have it, has it still remained strictly this meditative experience for you? Yeah. To be honest with you, it's definitely changed a bit. Uh, I think that, with nfts it's a roller coaster because at at the end of the day like there's a creative component to all of this but there's also a financial component to this and when i started doing this stuff it was um you know there was no no pressure at all i was just kind of blown away that this thing exists where people are buying pictures you know it was uh, may of 2020 and i started playing with it with no expectation and nothing to lose it was very cheap to mint something and and list it and uh as more and more people started catching on. It's like, oh, someone buys something and like, oh, you make 20 or 30 bucks. Uh, but like once you see the entirety of pop culture catch on to something and maybe like you release an art blocks project and it sells out and you have like somewhat of a windfall that's not insignificant, it's... Uh, it's a major adrenaline rush. It's not like the the relaxing thing that, um, you know, playing with paint on canvas is. So it's an interesting thing to balance. I think that um, the, the way that I deal with it is I kind of have the benefit of being involved with and following cryptocurrency for a while since 2013 and anyone who's been interested in in cryptocurrency or bitcoin or anything for for the last almost 10 years you understand the volatility that's a part of that and if you embrace that volatility you end up um, having this mindset where you you don't really have these hardcore expectations of like oh i sold out a project i made some money that means i have to pump out another project and and you know make more money and benefit from it you kind of begin to understand that like maybe it's just a few things aligning for that place and time and then you could move on to your next project without having that that type of pressure so i think like for artists in the space 
my advice would be t- to not have expectations to to just have fun with it because if um if you have an expectation of getting into nfts because uh you expect it to be very lucrative then you're not really doing something creative you're trying to to get involved in business somehow which is fine but it's a pretty important distinction to make whether it's your creative practice or whether it's uh it's a business that you're involved in yeah i think i think there are a lot of parallels as well for the the nonprofit side, working on an NFT project and trying to raise money, um, that number one, it's going to be a roller coaster. So that's the first thing when people are like, approach me, I've talked to a lot of nonprofits and charity leaders are like, hey, should I get into this? And I said, well, number one, you have to be ready for that volatility. Um, and do not rely on the money. It could go to zero or like this project that we're going to talk a little bit more about in a a little bit, you could raise hundreds of thousands of dollars in a very short amount of time. And that's the mind-blowing part of it. But you have to be ready for the volatility. You have to be aware and come in eyes wide open of all the risks um, that can come with it. Uh, And, well, maybe one place where to end on a positive note, and then, Tandy, I know you talk about this a lot, so I'll come to you, is one thing for me as the nonprofit, I would say, is that NFTs have actually in working with the artists and the collectors and the projects, they've been so kind and they've been a lot of fun. And my day-to-day work is focused on life or death with frontline health workers who have really challenging days. We're trying to solve really tough problems. But when I get a few minutes of my day to have a conversation like this or engage with an NFT project, it can be really cool and a lot of fun um, and, and uplifting. So I kind of see this, like it's such a double-edged sword. And even on the nonprofit side, even when there isn't a financial gain for you personally, there is a fundraising goal for you as the charity. So you have to be ready for the volatility. I think that, you know, I I lived in Africa for a long time and worked there. And I said, when you have no expectations, you'll always be pleasantly surprised. So I think going in with those really low expectations to just engage, learn and have fun with it. And if you make, if you fundraise and do really well, that's great, but also be ready for the volatility and going potentially ending up with with nothing. Um, That's why we're kind of calling this season rug to riches. That's the way we look at it Uh, because you could get rugged, which means getting the rug pulled out from you and getting knocked on your your behind and getting very little, or you could go to the riches side of it. But uh, Tandy, I know you are kind of, you work here at the nonprofit, but you engage more in the NFT space. Do you want to talk anything a little bit about kind of the mental health uh, side of this? Well, I think uh, just to add on to what you just said, um, and this is something that I tell you in our discussions as well, is that, like you said, when you when you are engaged in this space, there there can be so much volatility, but not just volatility in terms of will you be able to raise money, volatility in what will crypto be worth, volatility in what will the NFT market look like. Also, that relates then to also, also emotional volatility. And in, in general, volatility is really the name of the space. And I think that um, Pretty Block made a good uh, point, which is that, you know, you can come from a place where you're painting on canvas and there's not a whole lot of volatility in that equation. It's, it's meditative, it's predictable in a way, but this, uh, the marketplace for NFTs and the way that crypto goes up and down, it just creates a lot of volatility and it's something that anyone who's involved has to be aware of and which also what makes it difficult for nonprofits or charities to try to 
uh, schedule fundraising around such a thing because there is always this large degree of volatility. So stories like this one that worked out and it was smooth and it was a two-hour sellout, that is definitely a success story. Um, but it is something when you're working on these projects to just understand the grander scheme and it's quite a volatile one. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, I want to dig in a little bit to this, how exactly this collection came together and how it sold out in two hours. I know we covered it briefly, but I want to come back to it. And then we will have an open mic. I know there's a few people requesting to talk, so we'll get to that. But first, I want to talk a little bit more about this um, collection created by Pretty Blocks called Liquid Ruminations. Uh, it was released, I think, just last week in, un in under two hours it raised a whole lot of money for charity. You can see that we pinned the tweet here. It raised $277,515.86 for uh, water.org, which is a global charity that delivers clean drinking water around the world. Uh, I mean, this must have been really surreal for you, Pretty Block. So again, explain a little bit more in depth Joe, I think I, I lost the audio for a second. Can you still yes, hear me? Yes, I can me? hear you. Okay. Uh, can you repeat? Yeah. Your so last we, we want to talk about uh, liquid rumination. So we're gonna. I want to cover before we go to the Q and A and open mic part of the um, spaces here, the podcast. I want to talk about the collection. Your, you know, the inspiration of you creating it. Um, it took just two hours to raise a lot of money for water.org. I, re I read out it raised two hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars, five hundred. $277,515.86 for water.org, a charity that delivers clean drinking water around the world. It must have been surreal for you. Tell us a little bit more about the series, um, you know, the inspiration, and what that day was like when it sold out so quickly. Uh, yeah, so for the artwork itself, um, you know, the, the guidance that I got from... Um, from the the many folks involved, uh, Stella Artois, Water.org, Vayner NFT, was that you know the the project was really um, about whatever my vision was for the art, but they they had a few parameters for me. They they know that they wanted it to have some kind of movement, and it want you know they wanted it to thematically tie into water somehow. And that was pretty much it. So uh, for a, a lot of that, of course, you know, aligned with whatever I would have wanted to do anyway. Um, generally, my stuff is pretty abstract, but this, this obviously, you know, we had a goal here. And so I, I, looked at um for the movement i looked at um the mathematical sign function which you can use to draw a smooth wave or you could use that to animate movement in a kind of ebb and, and flow type of thing so i relied heavily on that for, for in order to emulate like fluidity a little bit in in the visual effect uh i also looked at the droplet shape the shape of the water drop and uh i started using code to distort it 
and I was distorting it by using, you know, these mathematical sine functions. And then there were a few other effects that, like, well-known techniques that exist in the generative art world, for example, flow fields um, that kind of evoke this feeling of fluid as well. And from there, I, I started out with a concept to uh, combine all of these things. And I got some feedback over the two months or so that I was developing the, the work from uh, people in my personal circle, um, people on the Vayner side and the Stella side, and, uh, and just built off of it from there. Um, the, I, I, I know that it's really exciting to say that like this project, um, raised, uh, you know, a ton of money very quickly, but I think that its success is very largely due to the fact that it, it had the backing of this major brand, Stella Artois, that um, it was for charity, water.org, and that Vayner NFT was involved, who, you know, work exclusively in the NFT space. And then the giving block played a really major role in making it a success by facilitating everything. So the actual uh, proceeds from this, the, the sellout of the collection um, was a, about like half of that $277,000 sum, but the giving block has um, uh, a pool of funds that they're using to match donations from certain projects. So I want to give them credit and a shout out for, for matching uh, what we raised. And I also want to add that typically the Artblocks platform adds, uh, they take a fee from from all of their sales, uh, something like five or ten percent. And in this case, um, they uh, stated that they would donate the fees that they collected directly to Water.org. And I think the the fact that there was uh, that that this was a partnership between this major brand and this uh, this charity that's pretty well known. Um, Re was really what made it a success. Um, as for how it felt, I mean, it was it was totally crazy because the I I certainly felt more pressure for this drop than I did with my other work. You know, if I release a project on Artblocks and it makes a few sales and and doesn't sell out, then like that's what it is, and you move on and do your next project. But here, you know, there were so many folks um, invested, uh, you know, not financially invested, but I want to say professionally invested in making this a success that there's a certain amount of, of pressure, like in order to have the art to do the, the project justice. And I don't think, you know, the sellout was completely on the merits, the standalone merits of the art. I think all of these factors came together in order to make it a success. 
Yeah, that's definitely some alpha there. And alpha for the nonprofit charity folks means like firsthand experience knowledge that you're not going to get anywhere else, um, which is something that Tandy talks about. And maybe you can fill in with me in, in a moment here is that the success of your NFT series has to be, you know, driven by market factors. You could have really amazing art. You could have a really great cause, but that not does not necessarily mean you are going to sell out or sell your pieces. Um, last year when we ran our um, fun, fundraiser, our series, we had probably about 30 different pieces we tried to sell. I think we probably sold about half of them. Uh, and the ones that were successful that raised the money were established projects with established communities. And I really think that that is, um, you know, not easy for the artist to say, Pretty Box. I, I appreciate that authentic talk to say, you know, that the artwork, I, I've looked at it. It is beautiful and engaging and dynamic, but that the success of the sale was based on having the Vayner Media, the Stella Trois, big brand, uh, you know, the giving block as well, established folks promoting it, hyping it, and, and really getting it, it you know, to, to get sold out. Um, the, one other thing that you noted there that I would, I would say is important for uh, nonprofit and charity NFT projects is to give freedom to the artist. Uh, let them be inspired by the cause, but do not ask for a literal art piece. I actually found that that is a pitfall that I had to learn the hard way, is that if you ask for a literal piece, um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do well. And it's better when you let um, the artist be inspired by the cause, be inspired by what you're trying to achieve, but let them take artistic license on it. Um, Tani, do you want to add anything here about that kind of just cold, harsh reality about fundraising in this space that the nfts have to be, go beyond just the cause in the art itself do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah i think you're right on it's like a great piece of art is often not enough it's this is a networking game i mean the nft space it thrives in twitter and what is twitter built on twitter is built on clout it's built on followers it's built on you know who follows you and who can help launch your message and that's that's really the the end all and be all in my opinion. It's very rare for just an amazing artist to make an amazing piece, and then that's all that needs to be done. It's like it's like any other entrepreneurial effort. You have to network your way. You have to find other voices that align with yours. Um, there has to be quite a lot of effort put into that back end networking marketing side. Um, and if you are a nonprofit or uh, you're doing a charitable NFT, you have to realize that that that's a massive part of all of this. Yeah, so, so if you're getting started and you're ready to pursue, you've done all your due diligence on doing an NFT charity project, um, I think um, looking at the artist, the product, the influencer you're working in, what kind of community do they have, what kind of reputation or track record do they have um, are important things to do um, you know, when you're making your assessment. All right, so in a moment here, I want to open it up to uh, Q&A to learn about some of the projects we have in the, in the room here and see if there's any questions for Pretty Blocks. Um, but uh, Pretty Blocks, I have one last kind of question for you here, which is you, you mentioned that you had, you know, mixed success with a bunch of your drops and yet this one, you know, the charity one sells out. Um, so what are some of the factors you think that you can build on of the success of this project that other, you know, charitable drops can follow? Is there any other wisdom or alpha that you can share with, you know, a charity a nonprofit that's trying to team up with an NFT artist, trying to do what you successfully did, which cannot be understated. Like 
$277,000 is a huge amount of money for a nonprofit. There's so much good we can do with that kind of fund. So that motivates us. But as we're getting there, as we're trying to approach maybe someone like you or NFT, is there any other advice or wisdom you'd want to give to the, the nonprofits out there? Yeah, I I think there are, there are a few things that are um, important. I, I think it, it would be really helpful for anyone who's um, flirting with the idea of of doing something like this is to actually try to get your hands on uh, try to get your hands on the technology a little bit so I I know that at the end of the day like it costs money to um, interact with NFTs um, that's and I know that uh, that might be hard for some nonprofits, but I would encourage the ones that are thinking about getting involved to allocate a small budget to collecting some works from the types of artists that they might want to, uh, from the types of artists that they would eventually like want to approach and i don't mean specifically as individuals i just mean maybe artists of a certain style or a certain discipline or whatever platform they might believe in whether it's you know ethereum or, or tezos or solana if for whatever reason they uh, want an alternative blockchain to due to any sort of concerns i think that it's um i i think starting by just supporting some of some nft artists is is a really good place to begin because by doing that you um automatically learn a few things about what it's like to actually handle the technology and that's really important um and i think i I would also in, encourage folks to seek out like um, guidance from professionals. I, I think that uh, in NFT land, there are a lot of people who've made, you know, some of them have made a lot of money very quickly uh, or moderate sums of money. And I think that there's a culture of giving that is more pronounced than you know, maybe tech in general or just the world in general. I think that a, a lot of the folks involved in NFTs are a very generous bunch. And if there's a charity project that has an authentic cause and an authentic goal, um, there's someone out there who would probably align with that one way or another. So I, I think that... Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm rambling. But no, no, that, those are all spot yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, number one, you can engage with the art and the artists. And yes, I can mean purchasing some pieces, but if you're like me and I had, I had engaged with some NFTs in the, in the NBA Top Shot World because I'm a basketball fan, but I jumped on spaces, I read blogs about NFTs, and I think what I was surprised by was how giving with their time an artist or a collector may be if you just ask, if you say, hey, I'm a charity, this is what I'm trying to do, and you speak with them authentically, that they are going to give you time to learn about about the space. I did a 
I, I really attribute that to the success that we had at Sustento last year. Raising, we raised about $130,000 last year. And early on, I would just go on spaces and I started to learn kind of what the space, you know, NFTs and philanthropy had in common, this spirit of generosity, but also the sense of community that it created, uh, the uh, values of transparency and accountability that both kind of groups shared. And by creating that kind of common understanding, understanding the language that uh, the NFT world uses, um, it allowed me as uh, Tandy and I started to approach projects and talk to them, I sort of had a, an understanding of kind of what they valued and what they were all about, uh, but also the technology. I think they're, this is where for as a nonprofit, this kind of amazing promise of blockchain and Web3, there's so much that I could see us doing both on with our donors in terms of giving out in the future a social impact token or also in our projects where, you know, we could see the blockchain record being very helpful in a behavioral health space or, you know, where we're looking to engage um, and help monitor and track people who are on the road to recovery. I've, we've thought a little bit about that, but I think we're kind of a little far away from it. So it's good to like engage, discuss, learn, because when you then have the opportunity to actually pursue your project, you have that language. I think Prebox, what you just said there is exactly actually what I would say for a nonprofit or charity that's looking to get going is starting with conversation and engaging authentically in the space before you start going um, on the like pursuing a project. Um, Tandy, would you want to add anything to that? And then we'll get. I know those people have requested here. We'll add, we'll invite some people up and we'll start. Yeah, the folks that are here. I just wanted to make one last point, and then we can start taking questions, which is that. The thing that you don't want to be as someone who is looking to make connections and looking to network is you don't want to come across as someone who is just out there to sort of take or to try to profit somehow or try to, you know, just ask, ask, ask. I mean, that's actually funny enough. That's something that uh, Gary V has actually written a book about, which is something I think it's called Jab, 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 Right Hook. And the idea is that the jab, jab, jab is just the small interactions. And the right hook is like the big ask. That's the, hey, would you like to work together, that kind of thing. So it's like any other relationship. But in the case of NFTs, um, an important thing for nonprofits and people who are trying to get involved but don't really know where to turn, um, again, I think Pretty Blocks made a great point, which is look for someone to give you some guidance because someone who's not used to this stuff may not know what the first step would would even be. And once you get some guidance, then the small steps would be to just be present in conversations. That can be as simple as just uh, answering questions or asking questions inside of Twitter, but also where a lot of these NF communi NFT communities live is on Discord, which is basically like the current uh, version of message boards or live chat type of thing. And just be there and, and uh, be curious and be helpful and try to network in that way. So that's the only thing I would, I would add there. You don't want to come across as, as a group that's relatively new in this space and just looking to take. Yeah, we often talk about that uh, as you don't want to be transactional. Because I think the NFT space can look quite transactional on the surface, that it's about the buying and selling of these digital assets for profit. And that, you know, and there are definitely a lot of people out there that are in it for the transaction. But I think when you're talking about the NFT and philanthropy side, it, you, you're in it to make a positive impact in the world. You're in it to create real world utility with these digital assets. And that is not a transactional 
um, you know, relationship that you want to create. You really want to have something deeper, more meaningful, and that comes with a little bit of you know, time in the space and thoughtfulness before um, you start out with your project. Um, and so with that, I think let's, uh, Tandy, I know that I'll let you facilitate some of the, the Q&A and Pretty Box, you're welcome to stay. Some of the questions may be for you, but if you have to go, we, we're, we've been very generous with your time kind of reflecting that, uh, that spirit. But uh, if you'd like to, if you are working on an NFT project, if you have a question, you have a question for Pretty Box, you want to just talk about your project for a minute or two, please request and we'll invite you up. So uh, Tandy, I'll let you facilitate this portion of the discussion. Sure. So first up, we have 400 Drums, who it appears they have hey. a, an NFT project themselves. Uh, so we'll, we'll hear from them as soon as they're able to connect. Hey there, everybody. Can you hear me okay? Yep, loud oh, and clear. Right on, you guys. I've really enjoyed this. I apologize. Somebody was just asking me a question. My name's Tamara Goddard. I'm the project manager for 400 Drums. Uh, we are working to raise... Uh, actually, it's a proof of concept project for the Indigenous community nationally for us to showcase how NFTs um, can be used as a source of fundraising for Indigenous projects. I'm listening to all the charities and because of the Indigenous portion of things, our, our organizations run quite differently. Uh, we, are, we are investing directly into projects and communities. Uh, so Indigenous artists, elders um, and knowledge keepers. And we're exploring also the way that we bring the value of the Indigenous art, which is actually already our monetary system, into the NFT space. So we're super excited about this project. And one of the ways that we're sort of growing it is with a community. We've been very, very lucky in terms of the volunteerism we've received. Um, but we've just launched our website yesterday at 400drums.earth. And we're partnering and having um, people come along and help us, such as uh, James Dean NFT. Uh, and they're actually bringing their NFTs uh, for us to run contests to give away in, in order to build our Discord community. Yeah, so one of the interesting things, I, I took a look at your site before, and this is something that uh, Tandy mentioned last uh, episode was that you have a roadmap for your project and it's something that's big in the nft space is that you have a roadmap because that allows everybody to see what the future of the project is and if they want to invest in it um and we were talking about how nonprofits need these roadmaps and you've kind of met in the middle there so i wonder if you could quickly talk about um that roadmap for your nft and philanthropy project and why and how you you developed your your roadmap yeah, sure. Excellent question. And thanks for asking. Uh, we run a corporation already called um, For Our Future. It's an in Indigenous economics corporation. So really, since the pandemic and prior to that, uh, we've raised millions for Indigenous communities. The pandemic made that difficult and all our communities had to go digital. Uh, so that's sort of how it, how it came about. Um, but our roadmap, and this is a positive thing for most charities and nonprofits, is that they already have strategic plans, as we did. So we already had numerous projects that we've been working on. And along with the NFTs, we have three other ways that we're raising monies for those projects. So they're not new projects. And yeah, I would highly recommend most nonprofits and NFTs even to have our look at our site because they would be able to pull those roadmaps and project um, phases uh, from their strategic plans like we did to provide that on their sites. Yeah, a callback from one of our early points, which is that if you're a nonprofit or charity, build 
your NFT project on top of what you're already doing. Do not make it a silo, standalone thing. Um, you really want to, you know, make sure it engages to the core of your mission, the core of your organization. So um, good on you. Um, do you want to just shout out one more time? Um, can you tell us, is there a drop? Um, tell us, you know, one last thing, maybe a little bit about the series and where people can learn more. Yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend our, our Discord is super easy. It's discord.gg uh, slash 400 drums. And our website is 400drums.earth. Uh, we've got uh, AMA with a reward giveaway, uh, Dragon's Game NFT coming out at five o'clock today and another announcement tomorrow with Lady Kryptonic, uh, where she's donating an NFT to help us grow our project. So, Tandy, any questions before we go to the next uh, audience member for the 400 Drums Project? I mean, it seems like you got your, your strategy all lined up nicely. Um, so I just wish you good luck. And um, I would just add that I think that there's a lot of projects out there that um, have artwork that would probably vibe very well with the kind of artwork that you're already putting out there. So I would just suggest to just continually explore and see what other um, opportunities there are. And, and you're already linked up with some NFT marketers. I think that James Dean NFT is a NFT marketing account on Twitter. So I would just um, you know use those as those people as resources and to find more and more projects that sort of vibe with the same art style and messaging as your project. Yeah, excellent advice. Thanks so much for that. And um, really for us, because we're, we're sort of on stage with the Indigenous communities across Canada right now, um, you know, we're intent on doing this right organically and whatever we have to do, because everybody else that can come after will be able to benefit from this. So thanks so much for the airtime today, you guys. It's been a really excellent session. Masi chok. Thank you for pioneering with us in the space. So, Tandy, who's up next? And if you would like next. to speak or talk about your project, just request to speak, and we'll try to get to everyone who wants. Uh, but, Tandy, who's up next? Uh, so, next we have Thropic, a blockchain ecosystem for charity, the future of the giving economy. Thropic, one second. I think you, if you could um, mute your computer or whatever's playing the audio in the background because we're getting uh, the feedback. Um, so if you could mute the speaker or that and then start over again so we can hear you. I think we're getting a lot of feedback, unfortunately. Is there is there a quieter area you could go or maybe, I don't know if that's a coworker or who that is, or what's going on there, but we got quite a lot of feedback. Uh, it sounds good now. Yeah, so I, I think, think it's good. I, yeah, go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> it's happening again. Well, this is the, the live spaces um, out there. Um, but while we're waiting for Thoughtbox to come back in, if there's anyone else who has a question for Pretty Blocks um, or wants to talk about their, their project, their NFT project, please come up and talk about it. Maybe one thing I would want to share is while we're waiting for Thoughtbox to come back here is a quick story about uh, my successful engagement with an NFT artist. Um, she's going to be on in a future episode. Um, but her name was Siobhan Wong, and she was an NFT artist. Um, and she created a piece for us uh, inspired by frontline health workers called The Hug. Uh, and we kind of just gave her this like open inspiration about frontline health workers. And she created this piece of two people hugging. Uh, and it was just this amazing piece. Um, and it was something that was really uplifting. So I think, you know, the artist back and forth with us talking about the cause, talking about what they wanted to do with their piece until they 
got to this final kind of amazing 3D rendering of this hug, and I don't know, maybe we can find it, we can post it. Um, we ended up splitting it between our organization here in the U.S. because Siobhan was from Singapore. It was meaningful for her to um, have the proceeds also go to a local health nonprofit in Singapore. Um, so again, uh, you know, engage with the artists, find the meaning, create something uplifting. And Siobhan already had also had a, a kind of established audience, which helps. So look for also the NFT artists with the established audiences and platforms. Um, but let's see, Thropic, are you back? Um, much better. That's so strange. I don't know what's going on with, with your, with your setup, but it's, uh, we're getting like a five-second delay on whatever you say coming through five seconds later. So I'm not sure what's going on there with that setup. I also actually see that we have Charity Water here. I'm wondering if whoever is, has the Charity Water account wants to come on. I really think it's a lovely I'm, – I'm pretty blocked. Have you had much engagement? What has your engagement been like with Charity Water? Like that was one of my questions for you we didn't get to. Um, but what was your engagement with the charity like during the process? Uh, so with, with water.org, it was actually, uh, quite minimal. I think that we approached, uh, the project as a creative project with the understanding that proceeds would be going to water.org. And a lot of that, um, a lot of the conversation with, um, the charity happened uh, behind, c kind of on the on the back end. It it happened. Um, it happened on on the other side of what I was doing, mostly between Stella Artois and and Vayner and Water dot org. But um, I was able to connect with some folks from Water. Um, uh, after we wrapped up the project, I got some very nice thank you emails and uh in general i feel like um my network kind of grew as a result that's so cool i think that's an area there's room for growth in this area because i think we talked a little bit before about that not wanting to do transactional um and i think sometimes i see in the nft on the nft side the roadmaps are quite transactional we're going to raise money we're going to give it over to this cause and they don't really engage with the cause beyond that um, so I see you can see water.org is listening. If you wanted to come up and talk about what it was like on your side, we'd love to have you. Um, if not, I, I understand. Uh, but I think this is an area to, to grow and do more cool things with in terms of having authentic back and forth. For, for me, one of the most meaningful kind of events of our fundraising around NFTs last year was when we auctioned off a cool cat NFT. And so Tandy helped arrange because you can see he's a cool cat. That's his PFP, um, we arranged with the Cool Cats to auction off one of their, um, you know, pieces, which we already knew was going to be valuable. We already knew how to kind of uh, established kind of community and interest in it. But we ran a Twitter spaces the day of the auction. And in the Twitter spaces was myself, Tandy, Klon, who is the artist behind the uh, Cool Cat NFTs, and a bunch of their team members. We also had one of our frontline clinics that direly needed a piece of equipment, a power generator to help keep their essential medicines, um, you know, refrigerated, join the spaces as well. So we're having this really amazing conversation between the NFT project, the nonprofit, 
and the group that was going to be the directly benefiting from it. And as we were talking, we watched the price of the auction go up and up, and we actually realized that the person bidding was in the spaces. So we started to DM with them. We found out that the individual was a technology developer and their wife was a nurse. And that winning this uh, Cool Cat NFT, which was a smiling nurse uh, PFP, would be very meaningful to them. And so we closed the auction at like, I think around 10 Ethereum, which was like $38,000 raised. But the conversation between the NFT project the nonprofit, those that we were going to benefit was just really an amazing experience. And for me, it was like the best moment, I think, of our fundraiser last year. Uh, but creating these abilities for us to, to actually converse and share. And so I wonder, Pretty Box, if you're willing to talk about, is there more you would hope for in the future to engage with the charity? Does it matter to you where the money is going, exactly what it's doing? Like what level of engagement would be right, you think, for the for the artist or, you know, because in your case, you're the donor. And we're, always, we're always kind of trying to figure out what's the right balance there. Um, well, I don't know. From my perspective, uh, I... I enjoy the engagement. I think I need to be aligned with the mission as an artist. Um, I think in this case, it was fine because water.org was a major charity that I was already familiar with. And um, I read up on some of the history, but if it's, I, I do think that like, in the nft space um because we're at the end of the day all of this stuff is backed by what's effectively programmable money there's um it's an a somewhat adversarial space and there's a lot of skepticism so if it's a small charity that that like the artist you're approaching might not have heard of you then i i guess i would encourage you to make a connection that's kind of going back to um what i was saying earlier about authenticity like starting off with just a a casual connection and from there you would see if uh if the mission aligns with um with kind of what the artist or anyone who's helping out has has in mind yeah so we talked about for the nonprofit charity out there uh, wanting to engage with an nft artist um i think there's two main things which i would agree with two main kind of motivations that you can look to one is offering the artist to be part of a network and if that network is valuable and in this case it was vayner media which is a very you know influential player in the nft space reaching out to the nft part artist to be part of that project the cause was sounded like it was secondary and yes the artist the, the project will want to be part of it because of the network that you were creating and for tandy and i last year it was that we were working with sotheby's and so i think that's what brought uh, some of these NFT artists and projects ended up working with us because we were affiliated with Sotheby's. They were helping us, um, you know, get our project going. And what I've been hearing more recently, which Prudibox you kind of referred to, is that a connection to the cause. And this is more kind of linked to traditional fundraising, uh, which is what I found with the Web3 NFT philanthropist is that they get in it for the tech 
and they get engaged because of the tech or the project, but it's still emotional at the end of the day. And that more and more projects and NFT um, artists want to have a connection to the cause. They want to know that they're giving something that is meaningful to them. So that is another way maybe to look for that artist or the group that you want to work with. Uh, do they have a connection to your mission? Or do they have a connection to your cause and making sure that that's, that's there? I, I would just quickly add that um, as an organization, you don't need to wait for a collaboration or a project. You can onboard yourself to accepting donations in cryptocurrency as a place to start. And if, if you do that, um, you might find some donations trickling in. And uh, if you can show the, the community of crypto enthusiasts where that's going, um, I think that goes a really long way. Um, one of my first big donations that I ever did was in when I mentioned the project that earlier that sold out very quickly in August, um, that there was a major... Uh, heyday for art blocks art at the time and I auctioned off one of my uh, personal pieces and uh, I I think the the total sum for the auction was maybe something like eight or nine thousand dollars that I donated to the Electronic Frontier Foundation and that's uh, an organization whose mission I feel strongly about to begin with and the fact that they are already um, well positioned to accept these uh, to accept cryptocurrency donations and mobilize them to do effective things uh, makes that an easy choice for someone who is looking for an organization to donate to. Yeah, that's true. You have to be in the game, and now more than ever, it's very easy to get in the game. And I think, Thropic, you're in that game, so maybe you want to speak to that. Let's see if your audio is working. Hey, Joe. Uh, so apparently Max and I were both on the same account. Uh, he has now signed on to his <laughs> own, so we, we were both trying to give a little presentation at the same time. So Max, unmute when you're ready. Um, I, so basically, Thropic is a donor staff software company created by our CEO, Max, here. Um and he decided to pivot into the Web3 space last summer uh, after we saw the power that blockchain could do. Um, I'm currently the marketing director. Um, I just want to give a shout out to obviously Pretty Blocks. That is a massive um, accomplishment that you have raised over $250,000 with some of these ama amazing organizations. Um, Tropic's mission is basically to connect nonprofits with younger donors and help transition these nonprofits to Web3 space. Um, enhancing their fundraising strategies that are currently super archaic. Um, on our roadmap, we have an NFT marketplace with over 1.8 million vetted nonprofits. We're hoping to bring a lot of different NFT projects to it once um, we get that up and live. But one of the things I definitely wanted to bring to this community here, we're trying to create a community of people doing social good and grow on that. Um, someone here had mentioned that fundraising is not enough in this space and sometimes the art is not enough and that collaboration and networking on Twitter is the best. We obviously have an amazing group of people here that are looking to do that. Do you guys have any suggestions on how to grow a network in the crypto philanthropy space 
um, what best practices we have to kind of increase this group and use each other's networks to kind of utilize the people who are looking to do social good with Web3 um, in the space. Yeah, I'll take that one first. I think, Tandy, you'll have a lot uh, to say on that one uh, as well. So I like to speak about the new class of philanthropist. And I think where you can start to engage the charities and the nonprofits that may be scared of this space and worried about what it is, is you can say you cannot miss out on the next generation of young donors. These are young people that have never given before. They're start they're going to start um, forming their giving and charitable giving habits. And you need to understand the Web3 uh, world because that is where they are engaging. And so that's usually where I start with the, the nonprofits that I speak to um, is, again, you can point to the big numbers, uh, but I think that's like sometimes a little mind-blowing and they're like, I don't, you know, it's just almost too much to process that you could raise this amount of money this fast. So I kind of usually try to ground it in talking about the ability to engage young people that haven't been able to give before, but are now in position to do so that they have different values, they have a different set of language that they use, and they congregate in different places, and you need to meet them where they are. Um, so that would be what I say to the nonprofit or the charity. Now, what I say to the NFT project or the Web3 group that's like, well, how do I get in with these social good groups? What I usually say is that you need to understand that we live and have to operate in an incredibly centralized world. Um, as a nonprofit, as much as I love and believe in the technology, I think the transparency, the accountability, what it can do is amazing. For my 501c3 status that Sustento has, I'm the CEO here at Sustento, and that allows us to take tax-exempt donations, allows us to get government grants, other funding we need to fulfill our mission, is I have to engage every day in a centralized world. And I'll tell you, I don't love it. <laughs> There's times where I absolutely hate it. Um, but there are some reasons for accountability that I need to submit, you know, certain things about my, how I'm spending my money, who my donors are, because the government uh, in this case is playing an important role to make sure that the other groups that can receive these donations are playing by a certain set of rules. Um, and so what I have often heard NFT and, and crypto projects try to tell me is, why don't you just keep the money I'm going to give you on chain? It's like kind of like at the crux of the conversation of like what I try to educate on. It's like, look, I would love to stay on chain with the donation, but here's the issue. I need to buy PPE for my health workers. And right now there's nowhere I can go and take cryptocurrency or an NFT and directly purchase the PPE. Um, on top of that, if I were to be able to do that, you know, even take into a wallet, let's say, the cryptocurrency and see what I could do with it. There's so much accounting and administrative work to make sure that we're adhering to all the nonprofit standards we need to, that right now there's just a lack of clarity that it's very difficult for us. So I would say for the NFT project, what I'd like to say is you have to meet us where we are also, which is having to engage in a very centralized world um, and having to play by a lot of legacy systems. And we see how exciting it is, and we want to engage, and we're taking steps there, but we have to still live in both worlds. Um, so that would be kind of my advice I give to how I get the nonprofit involved, and that's and also how I get the NFT involved in trying to under better understanding and trying to create the connections together. Definitely, um, a step that we're taking, um, we're looking to start doing some Twitter Spaces. Um, one of the first ones we're looking to do is feature some projects doing social good, utilizing Web three technologies. 
Um, we're already um, in conversation with uh, the founder of the Giving Block. Um, we're trying to get the Trippy Bunny Tribe, uh, which we actually facilitated a donation with the Giving Block, where they raised over $220,000 for the AFSP on National Suicide Prevention Day in 12 seconds back in October. So that was fantastic. Um, we're looking to um, obviously feature a few more products. If anyone in here is interested, Pretty Blocks, you're obviously more than welcome to join. 400 Drums as well. And Charity Water, you guys obviously have a massive organization. Um, I'm a surfer, so I've, I've been very uh, interested in your guys' project from the beginning. Um, but that's kind of uh, a turnkey solution that we see to kind of start growing our community. So if anyone is interested in that, we would like to start moving forward with those and kind of seeing what the Web3 um, community can do for social good. Yeah, Tandy, what do you think? You you live in the both worlds with me. Any advice or any uh, additions there? Well, I think basically I, I was going to say to find your tribes um, and just connect with uh, with people that you can collaborate with and and just be engaged with. And it sounds like you're already doing that when with that trippy bunnies example. Um, and and I always like to say, kind of go back to the well, go back to go what's go to what's in your backyard. And if you've already had success with that, then I would just double down and go for more uh, of those similar kinds of groups, maybe similar sizes of their audiences or their discords, and use your success stories to just continually expand. That's some great advice. Thank you. No problem. Awesome. All right. Um, thank you, Thropic, for jumping on there and adding to this uh, space. And, uh, you know, I think there's still so much room for growth here. Um, and it will take some of these intermediaries that can help bring together um, all the different, you know, the social good, the the NFT project, the, the you know, the artists all together. Um, so, Tate, I see we have another request here. Um, so I think we have time for one or two more. And then in about 10 minutes, we're going to end the spaces. Um, but let's hear from, I think in a moment... Tendi, who's who, who are we inviting up here? So this looks to be a thirty-year nonprofit. Um, I think. Well, they they have the mic now, so go ahead. Hello, uh, hello, everyone. How's everyone doing out there? All right, welcome. Good. I like the energy. Tell us what can thank we do for you. you? How thank can we help you. you. I'm gonna tell you what you can do for me. My name is Hustler Boss Lady. I am the visionary of Rafa Inc. We are a 30-year nonprofit. I started this nonprofit from my own endeavors, being a young woman from an urban community, coming through the juvenile justice system, needing a supportive environment for myself. So I created the nonprofit of Rafa Inc. We are a community of women, men, artists, musicians, um, all looking to support each other in the Love is Present community. Um, I j I'm very new to this Web3. My son, as you can see in my profile, he is a, a music NFT um, artist, producer, songwriter, rapper. Um, and he just brought me onto the space around about four weeks ago. Um, we went to South by Southwest. And I am just looking to navigate my nonprofit of 30 years serving communities of New Jersey, uh, Las Vegas, Arizona. I can go on and on. I have been on gender-specific groups, worked with juvenile justice communities, but my main focus right now for our 30-year anniversary is 
focusing on community empowerment, um, creating a women's investment community that single mothers can never say that they can't be home with their children and that they can create endowment housing projects, that they can take percentages of their in, in investments and put into creating um, housing for themselves. So uh, I'm creating a trip to Ghana the end of the year, um, and we are doing an amazing fundraiser, crowdfunding to sponsor 50, 50 people um, with all single mothers um, coming with their families to be able to come back to America and give back to their community. So we're just here to give people love, give you respect, and let you know that love is present. So I'm open to some new partners and new uh, angel funders. All right. Well, Hustler, welcome to the space. You bring definitely the positive vibe energy we're looking for. And uh, Jersey Pride, Sustento, the nonprofit we run, is uh, New Jersey-based. So um, you're welcome. And, and the Lifer nonprofit, thank you for all the work you've done over the years. Um, so quickly, what I say to any group that's just getting started um, is first, you should do a quick risk assessment about um, getting into the space. Um, you should talk to your, your finance person, your admin person, or your COO, because risk, risk assessment is very important to getting started, um, because you need to decide whether to take the NFT or not. That's a personal choice for the nonprofit, but it does get complicated if you do accept the NFT or the crypto donation directly. Pretty Blocks has talked about the giving block. It's a great group that helps you kind of get work around with that uh, because here at Sustento, we raised $130,000 last year from NFTs, but we never actually accepted NFT. Uh, we never actually held one. We worked with artists like Pretty Blocks. He's our feature artist today. Uh, and what we would do is the artist would actually auction off the NFT. Uh, they would take the proceeds from that sale, which was usually in a cryptocurrency, and they would donate it to Sustento through the giving block, which is a third-party uh, partner that uh, processes uh, crypto donations and gives it to you in, in cash. And they do all the accounting in the documentation for you. So for us, it was the ability to work with an artist like Pretty Blocks, raise money through the NFT sales, but then be able to lower our risk by having a third party actually process the funding and not having to ever actually hold crypto or NFTs, but still really authentically engage in the space. I would also add for you, um, because you engage with lots of music's and musicians and artists, and I think you would attract a lot of attention, honestly, if you started working with some NFT groups. The other part of the risk assessment that you need to do is there are, you know, there is anonymity in the space. And so Pretty Blocks came on before, and we call it, it's called doxing, which means he pretty much said his real name, and, you know, and he's willing to give that transparency. But there's still a lot of people that don't do that, and there's a lot of unknowns sometimes about the artist, the NFT project that a nonprofit is working with. And so you really want to make sure you know who you're working with, their background, um, their reputation, their track record, uh, because, you know, there's a lot of, of, you know, backlash that can come. And I've seen it uh, for taking uh, donations of NFTs or crypto from people you don't know. There was one project I know got a donation from a group that actually, it was a hack. Someone hacked stole Bitcoin and then donated it. Uh, and then you're in a quite a pickle as the nonprofit um, there. So um, those are just my starting steps because it sounds like you've got the right spirit. You've got the right um, kind of project. I think that will do well, but I would start with that um, risk assessment before you dive too deep in. Um, Tandy, anything you want to add? 
for the hustler in New Jersey. I think you just gave really great advice uh, for someone just trying to get their feet wet. Just keep on networking, tr- keep trying to get some beginner understanding of how other nonprofits are navigating this space. Um, what what Joe just mentioned about not holding the NFT yourself is really key. But if you're a 501c3, um, you, you want to make sure not to step on any toes that could potentially get you in trouble down the line. And as I say, you can't do it. We've seen groups do it, but you want to go in wide, eyes wide open, making sure you've done your risk assessment first. So, Hustle, anything else? And then we'll go to I see Crypto for Ukraine, and that'll be our last. Uh, um, yes, I just want wanted to, to say, guys, my son did come on board. So, um, Munir is the one of the listeners. Um, I just wanted him to see the benefit of what our nonprofit can do for his community and what he does with his NFTs and how maybe he can donate a song or something to us and then uh, we can be able to take that song around to the world or something. I don't know. Well, I think having those conversations, you know, you, you're here, so I think you're you're on the right track, but keep having those conversations. I think your son is a great ambassador for you um, and can bring you into these conversations uh, and you can teach him a little bit about what it's like on the charity side, the nonprofit of how we, you know, you would you turn this technology this digital um, asset into something that can really change people's lives. So uh, thank you, Hustle V Lifetime, uh, you know, nonprofit. Uh, thank you for all the work that you've done. And shout out to your, your son, the NFT artist as well. Uh, he's a future um, philanthropist, potentially. So awesome. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you. And I'm going to be following you, too. I'm going to be on your heels, okay? <laughs> all right. Excellent. You let me know if you need help. We're here for you. I do need you. Love is present. Thank you. All right, cheers. All right, so we'll go with one more, and then we'll end the spaces. A crypto for Ukraine, why don't you um, come on? Yeah, hi, guys. Greetings from uh, not so sunny Germany. I'm uh, Jan Sinkar-Hermann, the uh, content creator of Crypto for Ukraine. Uh, first of all, thanks for having us here. Thanks for the episode. Very interesting to listen. Um, just wanted to tell you guys about uh, our little project here. We are a recently established project. Um, with the aim of informing on and promoting um, any individuals, projects, or organizations trying to use uh, blockchain technologies, so crypto assets and NFTs, to help people in need. Um, our current efforts are concentrated to the Ukrainian crisis. Um, it was actually the reason we started this, but we are aiming at... Um, promoting people who try to help people, animals, or anything else anywhere in the world. Um, you can visit CryptoForUkraine.net um, to learn more about us. And um, if you wish so, of course, you are very welcome to use our website to promote your project or any charity based on blockchain for free. Uh, that's pretty much it so far for me. Um, also, I would like to apologize for the absence of our founder, uh, Roman Enger. He was supposed to talk here, but he can only make it till 10.30 p.m. Uh, so I just took over. No worries. Well, thank you for staying on so late here. And I think uh, the Ukraine, you know, Ukraine crisis uh, and the conflict there and the tragedies happening, um, just I think Pretty Block spoke to it earlier. But when the NFT world wants to mobilize on a cause, when the Web3 community gets behind something, I know that there's been millions and millions and millions of dollars raised for Ukraine from the NFT and crypto world. So thank you for everything you've done in that space. Uh, But it, it shows you. 
what what they've been able to do when they come together. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's like it's really amazing to see how much just the NFT space alone has actually done for Ukraine so far. And not just people from outside Ukraine. I mean, we've got Ukrainians themselves, some of them even in Ukraine still, who use NFT technologies to make, for example, their artwork, their photography into NFTs. And the proceeds go directly to an organization that's trying to help people in Ukraine. For example, of course, the uh, official um, charity fund of the Ukrainian government. I mean, even the government itself, you guys might have heard, uh, has actually uh, now opened or created an NFT collection of pictures of the war. And they sell them, and anything that gets sold, the money they get from it, they actually use it to uh, help, for example, displaced civilians within Ukraine. And it's really quite amazing to see that. Really, all the power, all the effort from the uh, NFT community, it's, it's really awesome. Absolutely. And, and Tandy, what have you seen in, that, in the Ukraine and um, NFT space? What, what kind of well, things have you been seeing happening? I was kind of surprised that uh, the Ukrainian um, Twitter account was actually very much aligned and they know all the lingo and the meme talk and everything. Uh, that's, I mean, this must have been going on before Ukraine was in the news for unfortunate reasons. But we saw after the fact that a lot of the NFT community was talking about donating to Ukraine. What I found kind of interesting was the pe there was even a p apparently an airdrop which was something that is very common in projects nowadays and so um, a lot of people were also donating not only to give back to Ukraine but they were also curious about what this airdrop would be I think after the fact that was actually that actually no longer was going to happen but um, you can see that there are many ways of getting people involved and and obviously just people are horrified at what's going on there. And it's great to be able to see uh, people coming together to benefit uh, people in need for Ukraine. Yeah. And adding to that, I mean, uh, what you mentioned, the government is actually quite pro crypto pro technology. I mean, you can tell just looking at the age of people like Zelensky himself, they're like in their forties. That's very young for, uh, for a politician, for the leader of a country. They were already uh, quite pro crypto before, and now they use that exact that exactly that to um, receive help from outside and from inside. So just goes to see that using blockchain technologies is really can be very good for anybody and everybody. I mean, I'm thinking kind of countries like mine, for example, like Germany, should really like look at uh, Ukraine and see that we should uh, get more involved in uh, crypto and NFT. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing about your project. I think the one thing you've mentioned there, and Tanda, you mentioned, uh, I think one of the, maybe the big points we take away today is about authentic engagement. And it can't be right when you need the funding. If you can authentically engage, learn the lingo, understand the space, when the time comes for you to do your fundraising, when your moment arrives, you'll, you'll have a much higher likelihood of success um, through authentic engagement. I think we've had that today. So I want to thank Pretty Blocks, our featured interview, for joining us on the spaces to talk about his journey as an artist and his uh, journey as well to becoming one of these new age philanthropists from the NFT world. Um, again, you should be very proud of what you've been able to do, pioneering and showing us what's possible when the right people come together for the right cause with beautiful artwork, what can happen. So again, thank you for joining us, Pretty Block. Thank you, Tandy. Uh, and as well, Sarah, who's been our 
moderator on the back end. Um, we'll continue with our series on NFT and philanthropy. Actually, we have the Giving Block is our next um, feature interview. That will be April the 7th at 3.30 p.m. Uh, so if you can join us for that, we'll have another spaces with the Duke Kim, who's head of the crypto partnerships at the Giving Block. Um, as well, we will be editing this and placing it as a podcast. So you can send over to your uh, fellow NFT charity enthusiasts or nonprofit that should be educated about the space. But I just want to thank everybody who's listened in and for joining us. Uh, and with that, uh, Tandy, you want to play the music one last time and then we'll head out. Um, so sure. We'll play our, all right, let's put, let's play our theme song uh, for everybody and then we'll, we'll, we'll sign out for the day. But uh, thanks okay. everybody for joining us. I just again. want to say thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And um, I, I hope that this serves as a good example for, for folks to point to when, there's the big debate of uh, our NFTs, good or bad. Here's a tangible example of how we can do something good. Yep, and I, and I think that tells it's the people behind it. If the people behind it, and in NFT, there's a community behind it, and if they have the right, uh, you know, folks come together for the right cause. I think exactly right. Prebox incredible is is the unfathomable, mind blowing uh, is possible to help people in need. And with that, Tandy, why don't you play us our music on our way out? Thank you for listening to Let's Break Good, the podcast where we believe good is just not good enough. Today's episode was supported by Sustento, the nonprofit that helps frontline healthcare heroes save lives. It was produced with support from Simon Green, aka Top Shot Tandy, and Sarah Meese. To learn more about Sustento, its mission, and how the organization is putting Web3 philanthropy to work, visit www.sustento.org. You can also follow along to future episodes that are recorded live on the Let's Break Good Twitter account through Twitter Spaces. Look forward to connecting with you next time. And until then, go break good.